You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. this morning, church. You guys are looking and sounding so well. Um, just to put you in a picture of what, what we're going to be doing, yeah, we're going on a trip to Hawaii. Everybody say, oh, trip to Hawaii with friends and cruising back. Janet last night was rebuking the waves. We, we saw mighty ships and one of the ships just had to tie everything down because they were going up five meters and coming down. They hit a storm. So she started rebuking that in Jesus' name. Um, and then I, I planned this well. I didn't plan it. My, my home church asked me to be the keynote speaker at their 120th anniversary. So once we get back here, I then have to fly all the way back to the East Coast. And yet catching up with friends and, uh, and preaching at my home church and doing some leadership stuff there. And, uh, and then have the onerous, onerous task of taking Cam and introducing him to Alabama football. We're going to the stadium that seats 101,000 people for the homecoming game. Um, they only have 100,000 in the town. The stadium seats 101, and they're about to enlarge it again. And so I don't have to pray for them because they speak things that are not as though they already were. And, uh, and so we're going to, you know, my, my, my best friend over there said, I, he said, I said, look, Mike, Cam's, he's bilingual. And he said, you know what bilingual is? That's when you mess up two languages. And, uh, and he said, we'll teach him Southern and some of that stuff. And then we go up to Washington, D.C., and and uh, do uh, I, actually speaking, I, I don't know, last time I was there, went to the university where we went to, and they asked me to speak at chapel. It's just a very small gathering of about 13,000 people and, uh, and a couple of classes. And then I'm going to introduce Cam to the uni and people there. And um, they just had Erwin uh, McManus there, I think, recently, and a lot of other great people speaking. And, uh, and then I'm speaking to the Liberty Church Network, which is all the pastors that graduated from that university across that eastern seaboard, and then we're preaching at my, uh, uh, my mentor's church in Washington, D.C., and then we get to go experience some good old country music in Nashville before we fly home. Yeah, some people say, is it music? What do you mean, is it music? It's the music of heaven. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Oh. Roll on, Keith Urban. Come on. Yeah, so, yeah, come on, we, we've, uh, we've actually been preaching around the traps for the past few weeks, but it's always good to be home. You guys are looking so good, and uh, actually Janet and I have been doing something over the past few months that we've never really done before in our near 42 years of marriage. Sounds spicy, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I, I heard you go quiet. It's actually not that, ex- yeah, laugh. Was that Rachel laughing? No, it's actually not that exciting. As a matter of fact, it's, it's something we should have done a long time ago. We've been seeing financial advisors. Go figure. They all say the same thing. You've got nothing. Anyway, um, we're doing it to prepare for our future. We're not, we're not retiring, and we're not doing the gray nomad journey. And the last advisor we saw, he goes, hey, you, you, what are you doing this for? You're doing it four years too soon. And we said, no, 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 we're not retiring. And we had to get it into his head. We're not retiring. We're not finishing up. Uh, We're just getting advice so we can use our resources wisely. And for us, that means more than just getting paid and paying the bills. 
That's what it feels like when you're young, doesn't it? Man, I'm just barely paying the bills. For us, it actually means having the ability to do ministry when and where God opens the doors in the future. It means building his church, making disciples, advancing his kingdom. And we want to learn, but we're almost a day late and a dollar short. You ever heard that saying? Or is that Alabama too? You heard that? Okay. So we want to learn to use our resources, especially money. We want to use it wisely in a way that doesn't just benefit us, but benefits others for the kingdom. And it kind of fits with our new series, I Just Got Paid. You like that? Just got paid. But you see, for us, like many of you, getting paid primarily meant paying the bills, saving for a holiday, and getting Christmas out of the way, or paying off last Christmas. But I want to tell you, there's a whole lot more to this issue than that. A whole lot more. It's about using money wisely, because money is powerful. Or as they say, money talks. You've heard that saying? You know, when you go to buy something, they say money is king. So we want to talk about the funny thing about money. Quiet. Because when it comes to talking about money and possessions, there's an awkwardness at church. And it's sad to say it comes from within as well as from the outside. Because we often get asked, why, why, why do we have two sermons on a Sunday? And I go, can, what are you talking about? I only preach once. No, no, there's a sermon before we give, and there's a sermon when you get up. Two sermons. Why do we always have to have a message around the offering? Why are we talking about this worldly thing in church? Surely the church has more spiritual things to talk about. Well, I just need to tell you that apart from tithing, I wish I had heard more about wise investment when I first became a Christian. I want to tell you who's a, who's a guru at this, and I'm going to put him on the spot and embarrassing, but if you really need some help, this guy is, is just amazing, Graham Prosser. He, he taught our staff some stuff, and I'm sitting there amazed going, why didn't I hear this 30 years ago? I'm serious. It's almost like when you speak about wise investment, it, it, it goes against the grain of faith that the two don't mix. We had friends in the early days that they thought it was, un, that, that, that it was a lack of faith to even have insurance. Mm, never heard that one, have you? So that's a funny thing about money and church. But I need to tell you, it's not a taboo subject. We should talk about it because it affects so much of our life. And not only that, the Bible itself doesn't shy away from this subject. Isn't that funny? In other words, when the Bible wants to say something, it says it a lot, just to get our attention. Let me give you an example. Number one, the word believe, believer, or believing is used 275 times in the Bible. That's pretty significant. But look at the next one. The word pray, prayer, or praying is used 371 times. You go, yes, should pray. Great. Keeps going, guys. The word love, lover, loves, or loving is used 714 times. That's it. It's all about love. Just hang in there. Look at the next one. The word give or giving is used 2,162 times. Now, I know you biblical scholars, Andrew's going to correct me here. And he's going to say, Keith, it's not just about money. I know that. I'm not dumb. I know what it's about, though. It's about building a spirit of generosity, no matter what you're giving. Right? It's not just about money. It's about having a spirit. 
And the funny thing about money and possessions, God speaks often about using it generously and wisely. And it might surprise you, but money is not evil. <gasps> Hang on, Keith. I know there's a verse that says money's evil. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, Paul said, For the love of money, not money, the love of money, is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people who are, who are possessed by it and they crave it and they long for it more than anything, they wander from their faith. It gives them sorrow in the end. So the truth is this, money is actually amoral. It possesses no morality in and of itself. It's what we do with it that determines the morality. For instance, for instance, where are you? Oh, good. I didn't drop it. Oh, it's nice and crisp, but it has been used. It's folded. This $100 note, we don't know where it's been. We don't know what it's been used for. In and of itself, it's not good or bad. It's not dirty or clean in and of itself. It's what you do with it. It, it. it could have been used for good, like buying groceries for a family who are out of money. It could have been a single mom standing in line at Woolies going, I can't pay for that. And all of a sudden you go, I will. It, it could have been used for buying clothes for someone who's kind of at the end of their budget. And they don't have enough for their kids. Now that's good, isn't it? So it's been used for good. Or oh, it could be used for evil. It could have been used to sell and buy drugs. This same note can go from the hands of someone who's feeding the poor to someone who's got an addiction or illicit sex, paying for that. That's what it's used for. So I, I kind of, oh gosh, you go quiet. Here's the deal. The user will determine its morality and the user's heart will guide that usage. Because Jesus said in Matthew 6, For where your treasure is, say it, there your heart will be also. What you love, you pay for. Right? So I'm going to need some help right now because I want to give this $100 away. Who would like it? There are some hands that go up before you come up here to get it, though. Mm -hmm. You need to consider this carefully because there are conditions and expectations attached to this okay so listen carefully and then I'll let you have it no Earl it's not for a new coffee maker okay here we go here we go number one you have to use it for good preferably for an individual or a family not an organization okay don't give it to an organization that's an easy thing I'll just give it to something like that no buy food or clothing or something for a single parent or help pay for their electricity bill. Somebody who is totally out of money and they have no idea how it's going to get paid for you go, how will I know that? There is a guide that you have called the Holy Spirit. Just saying. Number two, it's best if it has a multiplying effect. You'd be amazed how far that'll spread if you use it wisely. Ask the Holy Spirit to send you somewhere to use it to someone who is not greedy, who will say, freely I've received, freely I'm going to give. And they might even tithe off of that, even though they need it most. Okay? So that's, that's an expectation. Here's the other expectation. You cannot use it for yourself. Yeah, but that would be good if I bought that new sweater. No. Here's the deal, guys. This is mine. Listen to me. You are managing my property. 
It's not yours. It's mine. I'm giving it to you on loan. And I'm not expecting it back, but I am expecting a return. You are managing my property, so I want you to find the best way to bless someone with it. That's what I'm asking you to do. Don't just put it in the offering. Why is that funny? You should put in the offering, but not this one. Find someone with a genuine need, right? And here's the last thing, last thing. Then we'll see who wants it. In a few weeks, you're going to have to report this to Pastor Nate. I'm serious. How you used it for kingdom purposes, because he's going to let the church know how this was used for good, and it multiplied. Now, who wants it? No, gay, you're going on holidays. I know what you're going to do. <laughs> Come here, Jenny Edwards. How can I not give it to an Edwards? <laughs> gay, I will buy you a Mai Tai in Hawaii. You know the conditions. Come up here for a second. I want somebody to get their phone out and take a photo of her taking this. Because I'm going to be looking from Hawaii on somebody's social media saying, Jenny Edwards is going to multiply this for good, aren't you? You promised me this is mine. You're going to mul no, no, look at them. They're taking your picture. <laughs> I know you will. Bless you, Jenny. I want you to use that for good. You've got a heart to do that. Awesome. Awesome. Because here's the deal. Now, this, this is not a trick. It's not a gimmick. Because this is actually what happens to us when we get paid. <laughs> you missed it. Because the whole idea of using our money and our possessions beneficially is kind of found in this parable that Jesus gave in Luke 16. It's the whole issue of the chapter. And in the middle of that parable is one of the funniest verses. Not funny as in ha-ha, but funny as in what the... Oh, I told Janet I wouldn't say that. And it's found in Luke chapter 16, and it's the whole teaching of Jesus in this, to when you get to the end of the parable, he actually tells another one a story about a guy who was unwise with what he used, and he ended up in Hades. What? So, Luke 16, you can turn your Bible there and follow me if you want. We're going to read 13 verses. Or you can look on the screen, preferably you can get your Bible and follow me. We're going to do 13 verses, It'll take a while to go through it. Luke 16, verse 1, keep in mind, this is exactly, Jesus is talking exactly about what we just illustrated. Verse 1, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. You see, a parable is a story to illustrate a truth. And he's illustrating the truth right now that here is a story about a man who was given a trust and he wasted it. He used it in a bad way. He blew it. Verse 2. So he, the owner, called in the manager and asked him, What's this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. Here's the point. All of us have been given, we're called stewards, which is an old-fashioned word for manager. We have been given something to manage. And, and if we do it in a bad way, man, we're going to be in trouble. If we do it in a good way, different story. Because every one of us one day will give an account for everything we own. And that's what he's saying. You are going to give an account for this. Verse 3. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. 
I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. I'm, I'm believing for that for my mortgage right now. Take your mortgage and have it. Anyway, number seven. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand, a thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 800. Verse 8, the master commended the, the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Very interesting word. It means cunningly. It means craftily, perceptively. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Now, you know what Jesus is saying here? In essence, the people of the world are better at learning from their mistakes when it comes to money and using their possessions craftily than you are as people who have light. Interesting. Verse 9. I tell you. Now, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. This is that quirky verse. Most commentaries will just kind of skim over it quickly and do the stuff around it. Because it just seems so difficult. to Surely, Jesus is not telling us to buy people off. We'll talk about that. He says, so when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The word there, money, if you've got a new King James, is the word mammon. Funny word, isn't it? Mammon is actually an Aramaic term, Jesus' native tongue that he spoke with. His family language is Hebrew. The street language of the day is Greek for everybody in the empire, but the tongue that the Hebrews spoke with was Aramaic. And that word in Aramaic means money and or possessions, not just money. Don't just think of the dollar. So here's the funny thing about money found in this story. Here it comes. It shows what we're really working for. Can we flip the slide? Flip the slide. Great. It shows what we're really working for. That's the funny thing about money. What I'm kind of putting my energy and effort and abilities into. Jesus said, I tell you. Now, interesting, Luke quotes more than 30 times that little phrase, I tell you. I think the old version was, verily, I say to you. And you know what it means? Hey, sit up. Listen. I'm about to tell you something that is extremely important. You need to get this. It's, it's like the guy who is preaching. I'm not preaching now. I'm telling you the truth. You can laugh. That's okay. It's funny. Or maybe not. Okay. And Jesus said, sit up and listen. I tell you, you need to use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. And you go, what is that about? Is he telling us to buy people? Hey, just skim over it. It'll get misunderstood, misused. It sounds like Jesus saying we're using our money to buy friends. I think a lot of us went to school with people like that. I remember two guys in high school. 
maybe you had people like this. They're a bit spoiled. I remember their dad giving them a new car and a credit card. Kid in high school, 16 years old. He's got this V8 Chevy with flames going down the side. That ought to tell you something. I can remember him going through a four-lane road, and we came to an intersection. It's a good thing the light wasn't red. And I remember we were doing 110 miles an hour, not kilometers. And that thing went airborne for meters and meters. And when he hit the ground, sparks flying everywhere. I, I just went, <gasps> and he said, oh, that's all right, that'll fix it. You see, while, while these people have this stuff and they're buying their friends and they're very popular, all seems good, everybody likes them until. Like, like, why are they really hanging around you? Don't you get it? It's a very shallow relationship. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Um, in the New Living Translation, or shall we say the New Nate Translation, verse 9 says this, Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others. Make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they'll welcome you to an eternal home. You know what he's saying? If you do this right, and you do this wisely, and you do it for their benefit, not for your popularity, you do it for the kingdom of God, and they get swept into the kingdom, and they're going to be there to applaud when you get there. Because you just got paid and helped somebody get into the kingdom with it. Because the greatest way to use our possessions is to serve people to ultimately bring the kingdom of God into their world. I like what Keener said in his commentary. The moral of the story is use possessions to serve people because you're only God's managers of anything you have. And the deal is this, you know, when I get paid, it's good for me to realize that I'm not living to work nor am I working to live. You, you hear that? Man, I only work to live. One of my favorite shows is The Chase. Anybody else like The Chase? No. What's the matter with you people? Don't you like trivia? It's awesome. Good. Um, it is amazing. I sit and watch how many, because Andrew O'Keefe says, what are you going to do if you get any money? What are you going to do? It's amazing to hear how many people are going, I'm going to travel. I'm doing a new trip. I've been on that trip. I'm going on another trip. It's amazing to hear so many people say, man, I only work to pay for my next trip. I only work to pay for my next car. I only work to pay for that bigger house. I work to live. You see, whereas, whereas getting paid should cause us to work for what's good and beneficial, not just for us, but for the people around us who need it. That, that was the whole idea of kingdom initiative over Abraham. God didn't just say, hey, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be incredibly rich. And he was. You know what God said? I'm going to bless you so the people of the earth will be blessed through you. He was blessed to be a blessing. And, and I don't get paid just for me. I get paid also for others because money's got a lot of power. And, and I need to be wise, crafty, perceptive with what I have so that the kingdom of God advances through me. It's not just about me. It's what I've been trusted with. And that's the funny thing about money. It shows what I'm really working for. Am I working just for me and my bills and my fun and my habits? Or am I working for the benefit of others so they can experience the kingdom of God? Just saying. So here's another funny thing about money. Through that parable, it reveals the level of our trustworthiness. Mm. 
Because Jesus said, if you can be trusted with a little, you can be trusted with a lot. He makes it clear in the story that if God gives us a little bit and we're trusted with it, he's then going to give us more and trust us with that. And, and, and if we can be trusted with someone else's property. I'm very particular about who would ride my motorbike. Trust me. Um, I want to know it's going to come back in better condition than you took it out. Like waxed and washed and serviced and all that stuff. Um, but Jesus said, if I can't trust you with property like this, how am I going to trust you with your own property? If I can't trust you with mine, how can I give you yours? Because you're going to waste it. You wasted mine. You know, it's like, he said, if, if we can be trusted with the temporary stuff of this world, then he's going to trust us with things that are eternal. Oh, yes, he's going to give me a mansion in heaven. Oh, give me a break. If I clean my house well, I'll get a mansion. Give me a break. I don't think he's talking about a bigger house. I think he's talking about people's lives. He's talking about the souls of people, their welfare, their state of being with him. And, and, and I like what N.T. Wright said in his commentary, money is not a possession, it's a trust. You don't own it, period. This is a test of our trust. I need to ask, how trustworthy am I with this? When I look at my budget, God gets what's left over See, when I get paid, it's good for me to realize I'm actually not the owner of my money. And you go, yes, I am. I worked hard for that. Who gave you the energy to work? Well, it's my job. Who opened the doors for you to have that job? Who gave you the intelligence? I mean, come on. Let's get real. I'm not the owner of all this. I'm a manager of it. I've been trusted with it. And not only trusted with it, I'm going to be tested by what I do with it. And I need to ensure that it doesn't own me. Because I don't own it. I need to make sure it doesn't own me. Because, see, we get owned by these possessions. Think about the guy. You know the guys with the talents. You get one with five, one with two, one with one. What did the one with one do? He buries it. He hides it. He's so afraid of losing it. You know what Jesus said? That, that's stupid. It wasn't yours in the first place. You should have used it. You are trusted with it. And people go, well, you know, I just don't want to fall into poverty because poverty is when I don't have anything. Can I challenge that for a minute? There's nobody sitting in this building who doesn't have anything. Um, I was at a conference in Adelaide years ago, and a guy was challenging this poverty thing in a poverty spirit. And he said, you, you know that a poverty spirit is not, not having Everybody went, yes, and they got their back up. And he said, no, no, no. A poverty spirit is not the result of not having. Rather, it's the result of hanging on to what you have for fear of losing it. Oh, let that soak in for a minute. This is the guy with the one town. What did he say to the master? I was so afraid. So instead of taking a risk and using it beneficially and multiplying it, he just buries the thing. You know what he was called? You wicked servant. Poverty spirit. I don't know. I, I remember years ago in the, what's it called? Uh, uh, Guinness Book of World Records. Richest woman in the world. Died of malnutrition. Isn't that amazing? I mean, she had more money than most of us will ever have in a lifetime. And they went into her house and it, it had nothing. 
Her cupboards were bare. She died of malnutrition because she was so afraid of taking money, her money out of the bank that she would eventually lose it all, that she wouldn't even buy groceries. She was seen picking out of the bins around her home so she could eat. She had all the money in the world, and yet she was so afraid of losing it that she died a pauper. That's a poverty spirit. Use it well. Use it well. We're not called to hang on to money. We don't possess it. It's temporary. Um, we're called to use it wisely in such a way that it has eternal investments, not just temporary investments. Here's the deal. I, I've watched some of you, you know, 24 years here. I, I, I've watched you people, and some of you are just so good with that trust. I, I'm telling you, I've learned from watching you how you deal with this and what you do with that and, and how you, you're just so shrewd, you're so wise with it. And, and, and I see you, how you carefully and wisely use it to take care of your family and their needs. But you've also invested in the lives of people for the kingdom of God and people have been radically changed. And I commend you. I, I'm humbled by you. I, I watch you do this and I go, oh God, they got a gift. How good is this? And they are awesome. And, and I want to tell you, you, you bless me just by watching you the way you, you invest for the kingdom of God. I watch your generosity and your free spirit, and I watch how God has blessed you and your family over the years. It's incredible. You're to be commended. So one more funny thing about money in this parable before we close. It exposes our true love. Mm. Jesus said nobody can serve two masters. You know, contrary to popular teaching, you cannot multitask masters. You can't multi-focus on two masters. You're going to hate one, love the other. You'll despise one, be devoted to the other. Interesting, the end of that verse in the New Living says this, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money or mammon. And Wearsby said in his commentary, if God is our master, then money will be our servant. And then we will use it the resources of the will of God. But if God is not our master, then we will become the servants of money. And money is a terrible master. We'll start wasting our lives instead of investing our lives. So when I get paid, I think about, I literally do, I think about my tithe to, to the church. I, I think about being responsible and paying my bills. I, but I've, I've started to learn to think about my future late but never too late but most of all most of all more than anything else I think about the trust that my father has given to me he's trusted me with health and life and breath and intelligence and ability so that I can earn so that I can be a blessing for the kingdom of God so that people can experience the goodness of a father who sent his one and only son to love them into the kingdom I, I'm so grateful my father trusts me and I view it like that. So to me, it's not a taboo subject. To me, it's a trust. A trust. I'd like you to stand to your feet and close your eyes if you would. I, I know it's an awkward subject. I realize that. But wasn't it awkward when Jesus said, use it to get friends? How awkward is that? I imagine every disciple would have gone, <gasps> we're not like that. He said, you're missing my main point. My main point is this. 
I'm asking if you're faithful. I'm asking if you're using what I've trusted you with or my Father has trusted you with. I'm asking, are you committed to using that for kingdom purposes? I'm asking, will you be shrewd? Will you be wise? Will you be intelligent? Will you also be filled with faith to believe that God will take this $100 note and multiply it as if it were like a 1000 Will you do that? Or will you go away from here going, ah, there you go, church talking about money again? Well, it's only 2,162 times we talk about giving. I, I want to be a giving person. I want to be like Abraham. I want to be generous. I don't want to be awkward about this. I want to use it so that I can gain friends into the kingdom of heaven. I'd love for you to be the same. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes? You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, probably most famous sermon in history, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Can I ask you just right now, in the quietness of this moment, eyes closed, every eye closed. Could you look at your own heart? Because Jesus said, where your heart is. Would you just let the Holy Spirit turn a light on and do a heart check right now? Say, do you really love me? Do you trust me in this area? Have you been trustworthy in this area? Holy Spirit, we don't want to be like the rich young ruler who walked away from God sad because he was challenged about the love of his heart, which was his possessions. God, I, I, I would love for each one of us to take on the spirit of a Zacchaeus who when he met Jesus, he became so open-handed and generous and blessed people around him. He used to be a taker and he became a giver. God, if we're ever going to be like you, we need to be givers. And I want to thank you that you gave heaven's best. You were so trustworthy with what it was going to take to bring us into your kingdom that you gave the highest price in giving your only son. Your word says so clearly, one of those verses that talks about giving, that you so loved us, you gave your one and only son, that if we would believe in you, we'll never perish, but live forever. Father, I pray for anyone here today who has not received that love at that level where their life is changed emphatically that today will be the day of salvation in Jesus' name. Just with your head bowed, eyes still closed. If you have not trusted the gift of the Father to be your gift, to be your payment, to be trusted to you for your eternity, which is Jesus Christ on a cross paying the price for our sins, your sin, my sin. If you have never done that and you don't know that beyond any shadow of a doubt, why not now? Why not you? God has you here today for this reason, so that you could hear about his love and you could receive that as payment for your sins and come into his kingdom today. All you got to do is pray something like this. It's got to come from your heart with your, your true motives to say, Father God, I am so sorry I've lived without you in my world. Forgive me.
would you come into my world and cleanse me and make me whole? I believe you sent your son Jesus who died on a cross for my sin, that he was buried, but he rose again and he lives now. And I receive you, Jesus, right now, right here. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life and save me. Thank you, Father, for making me your child. In Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that today for the first time, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to put something in your hand that just helps you maybe get more revelation on that and seal that within your world. But God's called us to be generous people. And you have been so generous, church, and I commend you for that. And I want to just applaud you and say, well done. Don't be awkward about this moment when we talk about this. Be excited. You do well. Have a great day. Wow, what a great word. Opening up our series on money. uh, Thought I'd give Pastor Keith a light one before he went on holidays. Um, Thanks so much for being here today, church. Uh, We love you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend. And make sure you wish Pastor Keith and Janet uh, a wonderful holiday as they head off on their trip. Um, And enjoy the afternoon. God bless. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.